In this edition of Emergence, I reflect on 2019 and what it means for transboundary and emerging diseases in 2020. Welcome to Emergence, brought to you by MSD Animal Health and hosted by me, Alistair King. On New Year's Eve, I went out for a walk and I used that opportunity to think about what had been happening this year and what was going to happen next year. During this episode, we're not going to have interviews with anyone, I'm not talking about conferences coming up. You're just going to hear some of my thoughts and you can also hear the dog's rabies t- vaccination tags in the background as we're walking along. It's the last day of the year. I'm out for a walk. I'm trying to work off the turkey. So the only company I've got is my dog, some blue jays and hopefully no no bear because New Jersey, the bear is still wandering around a little bit. So if I suddenly go quiet, then you know what's gone wrong. I wanted to just think about this year, but just thinking about some of the news on some of the diseases and thinking about what that means for 2020. I suppose really I I have to start with African swine fever. That's the big story of the year. Everyone's been talking about it. This disease continues to spread. Certainly high virulence, the mortality rate is around 90%. It doesn't necessarily spread that quickly. A lot of the movement has been down to either wild boar coming across borders or people. It's not spreading directly farm to farm. But we're certainly seeing more problems with it. I talked a couple of episodes ago about some of the impact. I hadn't foreseen that the rising prices of pork were going to lead to Chinese banks actually offering new customers pork products, in some cases kilograms of meat, in order to open new accounts. That just shows how agriculture has this wide impact on on a lot of things. More concerning is some of the illegal activity that we talked about we're hearing of uh, some people in China who are using drones to drop infected meat into farms in order to try and spread the disease further. And then they're using that to try and buy the meat cheap by giving the threat of uh, African swine fever and then managing to sell that on the black market. So this is really worrying. We're also seeing uh, Germany starting to put up fences near the Polish border to stop wild boar. So there's a lot of activity. The FAO have, have said it's up to countries to protect their borders. We need to see that going on. Clearly, we're still in the need for a vaccine. I hope next year I might manage to get someone, a research person who can talk a bit about the future for vaccines. But we're still at the point where we've got to look at our biosecurity and how else we're trying to control this disease. Of course, this continues to put pressure on other protein meat products. So we're seeing increase in price in all of those. It did seem to stabilize a little bit, but again, we seem to be watching that price going up gradually and all meat having a higher value. And we're seeing the import of poultry products into China increasing. The FAO have given a report, they're seeing poultry consumption is going to increase by around 16% over the next eight years. And that's very driven by developing countries where that's going to be around 21%. This impact of African swine fever is likely to drive that even further. I'm continuing to watch West Nile fever with interest. I think to me, West Nile along with uh, blue tongue 
is really an indicator of how we're seeing changes in these diseases and how they're spreading, where we're expecting to see them, and changes in the, the hosts for these diseases, which are leading to them appearing areas where they're not expected or at times when they're not expected. Down in Florida, uh, beginning of this year in January, there was a, a golfer died of West Nile fever. This is January. There's not one you'd expect mosquitoes to be around. And then at the end of the year in November, there's been another death in, of another person in, in the US as well. Again, not when you'd expect mosquitoes to necessarily be around and that risk to be high. So we're seeing this change where you used to be able to think about certain times of year would be where they were high risk, but it's no longer nearly as true as it used to be. And that's reflecting some of the changes in the environment, but also the capacity for some of these vectors to carry the disease. That's quite a significant thing for us to, to be aware of. It's really important we keep looking into vectors and understanding further and further what they're doing, how they're spreading, what ones are capable of carrying these diseases, which ones might be capable in the future if there is a change in the temperature in, in an area. Then of course, foot and mouth disease, FMD. The good news on FMD, I think it's now 184 months since uh, we last saw a serotype C outbreak. That's great, but we still got plenty of other serotypes and strains, lineages floating around. We're still seeing the O India serotype, which has spread rapidly, causing a lot of problems. On the A serotype, we've got the AG7. That again has been a bit of a challenge especially when we're looking at which vaccines are going to work well against that. That seems to have settled down a little bit. It's not exploded in quite the way that it could have done, but it's still important. And we're also seeing Asia 1 still circulating around. It seems to go quiet for a while. You think that it's disappearing and then it pops back up again. So we've got all of these going on and still watching where they go. I think when we try to just tackle FMD, then we leave so many other problems that it, it doesn't make a big difference to people. But if we start looking at improving the overall health, if we look at how we can get animals in Africa to be really productive by dealing with the holistic picture, then we can really help bring people out of, out of the poverty trap and improve agriculture and improve health. And that's gonna to lead to sustainable food and sustainable life as well. So that to me is a really important one for us to work on next year. And then there's rabies. What can we say about rabies? It's such a frustrating disease. We should have got rid of it by now. We know that vaccinating dogs will reduce disease in dogs and humans. It will save lives. But we still haven't really got the full circle sorted out. We don't quite know how to get everything working together. There's some really good tools now produced by people like the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uh, some apps that can be used on mobile phones to track vaccinations, make sure where they're being used, to make sure we're vaccinating the right number of animals. So we do have some tools to be able to do that. And I think next year, again, there's some, some meetings that are going to start pushing things forward. It's 2020, that's 10 years to when the FAO, OIE and WHO tripartite have said they want to eradicate dog-mediated rabies. That's a really tough challenge. We've gone from, I think that was announced, that target was announced probably four years ago. We're almost a third of the way in. 
we've not made enough impact. But I still believe we can do it. We can make that difference by working together. So I'm really looking forward to working with people on that and bringing some of these solutions that are available into a way that people can really use them and is practical and people can understand. Again, it's education as much as anything. We've got to look at that side. It's not just about vaccinating dogs. It's not just about having post-exposure treatment for humans. We need to educate people and it's educating them how to live with dogs, how dogs are a productive part of their society, and how they can help with being guard dogs, they can help with herding, they can help protect from wild animals. There's so many good things that dogs can bring to people in remote areas and things, but they need to be explained how to read the signs when you avoid a dog, when you can go close to a dog, how do you understand how to deal with them? So we mustn't forget that. We've got to get that across and get those messages across in an easy way, not a highly scientific way. It's worth thinking about the success story that is lumpy skin disease as well. I think Europe, we've managed to suddenly suppress the disease. Looks like well, we haven't had any reports of any outbreaks of lumpy skin disease this year, I don't think. And that's really positive because that shows us that governments working with good veterinary infrastructure, good animal health infrastructure, and strong, successful uh, vaccines. Strong successful is not the word I'm after, sorry. After 10 miles of walking, that's getting a little bit hard to think of the right words. Uh, potent, let's go with potent vaccines. Efficacious, that's, that's what I was after, efficacious vaccines. If we're using the right vaccines with the right structure, the right capabilities, then we can get these diseases under control. That's such an important message. So we've only managed to eradicate two diseases in the world. We've eradicated smallpox in human medicine and rinderpest in animal medicine. So sometimes it looks like it's really, really impossible to do what we hope we can do. But you get the examples such as well, foot and mouth, which we've eradicated in Europe, looks like Latin America is going to be clear fairly soon. Then you see lumpy skin disease, a disease that previously has been such a challenge to control. But with efficacious vaccines that are designed in the right way, put into practice in good control programs, in animal health infrastructures that work, then we find we can eliminate these diseases. And that's such an important message for us for the future so that we know we can do it, it really is inspiring. And it gives us the energy to keep going and to work, work more together, recognizing the transboundary problems. These diseases don't know, know borders, so we can't work as individuals. It all needs to be together, cooperative, that we can then actually manage to do something. Thank you for listening. I hope you found that of interest. And as ever, you can contact us using our email, ivh at merck.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Hope you have a fantastic 2020. And I'll be back soon reporting on some upcoming conferences. Mm -hmm.